0: With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. That's your home! Are you too good for your home? Answer me! Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schrift. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore dadab. So apparently, rumor is, word on the street, is that J.J. Watt, thank you music, is um, going to make a decision this week, and that uh, seems like the Packers are top of the list. Now, I would hate to perpetuate um, the kind of nonsense that's floating around out there that I say I don't want to participate in. So let me be very clear what I'm referring to. Um, I don't watch SportsCenter, but I'm going to let Josh Reuter, is how I'm going to say it, that's how my family pronounces it, uh, from Twitter, tell you what he saw SportsCenter say. Quote, Jeremy Fowler just reported on SportsCenter that J.J. Watt is expected to make his decision this coming week. Also says several execs that he spoke with believe the Packers are the, quote, best fit for what? Packers, Bills, and Titans among finalists per Fowler. So, again, it's kind of one of those things where a report becomes speculation and it's subtle when it makes the switch, but it certainly makes a switch. What I mean by that is it starts off Jeremy Fowler reported on SportsCenter that J.J. Watt is expected to make his decision this coming week. Now, even that, it's questionable what exactly that means. Expected to based on something J.J. Watt or his agent have said, or expected to based on what seems reasonable. Um, I have heard people speculate, and it makes sense, that once free agency opens, his value drops. Because, again, there becomes a flood of people available. Now, I mean, if you want him, you want him. But it would it would seem reasonable or rational that either this week or next week, I suppose, he would make a decision. I didn't hear what Jeremy Fowler said. I don't know. Maybe he specified. But that part of it seems to be a report. But again, not positive. Then he goes on and says also says several executives that he's spoken with believe the Packers are the, quote, best fit. Now, this is where it clearly becomes speculation. In other words, He's not saying that he spoke with several people who are best friends with J.J. Watt who believe J.J. Watt wants to go to the Packers the most. It's entirely possible J.J. Watt has no interest in the Packers and or the Packers have no interest in J.J. Watt, and this tweet still exists. I'm just trying to be very clear. I'm I'm not trying to be a buzzkill. I just want to report to you what has been reported and explain to you that almost none of this is a report. (laughs) expected to make a decision, might not have anything to do with anything J.J. Watt has ever said. And again, and, and, and that's not its not terrible news. It's not nothing. You, you know that I believe it's not nothing, or I would be sitting here screaming, this is nothing, this is stupid. That's not the case. It's worth something when NFL executives are looking at the landscape, which is weird because if they're NFL executives, you would think that... Like, could you imagine calling up a Chicago Bears executive being like, so how's the thing for J.J. going Oh, not bad. Yeah, what are you thinking? Eh, he's probably just going to go to the Packers. It's just, it, it would be weird, you know? I don't know. Why would NFL executives be talking to you? Isn't that kind of, even if you're out of the race, it would seem weird that you would chime in on that. Like, I don't know. Mind your business, Jeremy. Trying to get JJ. You're trying to, you know, stir things up. But apparently there are NFL executives who are opening up and saying, I think the best fit is not us, but the Packers. I don't know. I don't know how this stuff works, man. It doesn't make sense, but I'm not just going to flat out call the guy a liar. So we'll just say that that, that happened and uh, sweet. Because again, I kind of agree. And I've said that. I, I think, I don't know necessarily be about best fit, but it's hard to find a better fit. And I, I mean, I've, I've, I've said that. I'm kind of to the point now where either way is fine, especially with people's takes. I mean, some people are all the way in, some people are all the way out. Some people are kind of loop. No matter what your take is, you're... I really don't care. I'm sure you can find some bad takes on J.J. Watt, but... uh, I mean, if your perspective is the guy's washed up, he's broke down, he can't finish a season, he's not worth any amount of money, I don't want him, I get that. Because all we're trying to do is predict into the future what's going to happen and based on that what is he worth if you're looking at his production in in Houston and his age and his injury history and saying I just flat out don't want him for any amount of money I can't get mad at you for that. I mean risk is a sliding scale. everybody carries risk. There isn't a single free agent that doesn't have some kind of risk that we're not going to sign them and they end up getting hurt or they end up getting busted for some kind of thing or whatever and then they don't play. Or they just flat-out bust. They don't fit here, whatever. My perspective tends to be on the side of thinking that it's a really good fit. Again, the statistic that—and and, and listen, I was on the side of J.J. Watt's no good. I had said that in the past. I don't remember exactly the context, but I think, you know, obviously the J.J. J. Watt to the Packers thing was flaring up for a while anyways back when it didn't seem like it was any bit of a reality, you know, trade for him or whatever. And I said, look, guys, the, the guys never, can never finish a season, all, all that stuff. That was my take on it. And, and, again, I just tend to think when you look at, again, PFF really does like him, the fact that he's double teamed all the time. And he did, I believe, play the whole season last year. So he doesn't need to be, in my opinion, peak J.J. Watt, which he's not. He just needs to be continue, still essentially a freak, and I believe that he is. Again, he was, what was he, top 10 in run defense as a defensive lineman? And, it's, and, and again, it's not just in a vacuum. It's the fact that I think that's one of the most premium positions the Packers need. If they can get a really, really good defensive end, like a guy that you put next to, to uh, Kenny Clark, and, the, and, and again, that, that thing that I've said a thousand times now, you got J.J. Watt and Zadarius Smith are the two most double-teamed players in the NFL. You put them next to each other, now they're both extremely dangerous. But, you know, it, it is what it is. If we get them, yes, I'm going to do backflip after backflip after backflip. That's not true. I'll probably attempt one, um, and if I survive that, more than likely I will not be attempting a second one we'll see. We'll see how it goes. We'll see. Maybe what I'll do is somersaults. I could probably pull those off. Viewers are reacting to Al Pacino's virtual appearance at the Golden Globe, suggesting he was less than enthusiastic about dialing in. I got to find that. That sounds awesome. Didn't know the Golden Globe. Which one is that? That's got to be a movie thing, right? Because Al Pacino was there. That sounds spectacular. (laughs) I don't have time right now, though. So anyways, we should have some pretty exciting news. Um, Oh, I shouldn't say should. Hopefully we'll have some pretty exciting news. At the very least, I would expect, and again, this is how you can take something that's not a report and make it sound like a report. I would expect it to happen within the next two weeks because, oh, today is officially March 1st. Burn, never going to be cold again. Stick it. (laughs) Wasn't sure where to go with that little S. I had to cancel a couple options. Went with stick it. Stick it in the mud, boy. You ever do that where it's like you're gonna say something like i can't say that and you just say something completely off the wall like stick it in the mud boy i don't know i do that sometimes screw it in your ear sister i should probably go get the charger for this um one other thing i wanted to touch on real quick from the twitter's um nfl update or at my sports update had posted a graphic via jason at over the cap so i guess i should just credit jason over the cap but um that's where I saw it. So it says Brilliant graphic, money spent in free agency versus team record twenty seventeen through twenty twenty. Very few high spending teams got above five hundred. My pithy reaction to this was seems as though there's an inverse reaction uh relationship between going all in and actually winning Super Bowls. People love to talk about how Tampa Bay went all in and that's why they won a Super Bowl. But free agent spending um doesn't seem to correlate very much with winning a Super Bowl. Now I will say that I was being a little bit flippant, and that's not exactly correct. There's some muddleness in here, if that makes any sense. It's kind of like if I were to say there seems to be a correlation between people who drive really nice cars and people that are broke. There's probably something to that. However, there's also, if you want to find teams, or (laughs) we'll get there, if you want to find people that have a lot of money, they probably all drive really nice cars. In other words, what I'm saying is, although this is kind of cool and you can, you, you can weaponize this if you want, I don't know that this is a definitive attack on going all-in or using free agency or anything like that. Because both of those statements about sports cars are probably true, or expensive cars. People who are really bad with money tend to get really expensive things that they can't afford, and that's why they're broke. So there may be that correlation, but it's also true that people with a lot of money do drive nice cars. In other words, if you were to flip that with the teams thing, teams that are really bad tend to spend a lot in free agency. It's still entirely true that teams that win Super Bowls tend to go all in, because we're kind of talking about two different things, right? In in the analogy, you've got broke people who are bad with money, and rich people who I, I won't say good with you know they they have a big pile of money. Both of them tend to drive nice cars. But we're talking about two different groups of people. And we're trying to prove that one group is in one category and one group is in the other. And they're both actually in the same category of buying nice cars, or in this case, spending money in free agency. Because when you're really, really bad at drafting, two things happen. Number one, well, I I guess three. Number one, you're a bad football team, which puts you down low on this list of success and team record, as they put it here. So, So that's the number one thing. Number two, You don't really have a lot of good players on your team, and so you need free agency to fill those gaps. But not only that, if you don't draft well and you don't have good players, and I've mentioned this before, you tend to have a lot of money because who are you spending big money dollars on? If you don't have Pat Mahomes, if you don't have Devontae Adams, if you don't have David Bakhtiari, if you don't have Khalil Mack, you know, if you don't, I mean, if you don't just don't have those guys to suck up your cap. You just have a big, that's why some teams, they have $100 million in cap space. It's like, well, what should we do? It's like, I don't know, Do we just, there's nobody to pay. So you have more, which gives you the opportunity to spend more. So for all these things combined, you need more, you have more, you spend more. So it's kind of cart before the horse to say spending is what caused the problem. No, you have a problem which caused the spending. You suck at football. That causes you to spend more. But we're still not even necessarily in the realm of discussing what teams do in terms of going all in. Because now we—and I'm not saying this is the case they're trying to make. This is just a a chart. But this is, you know, it's like that old saying, there's lies, damn lies, and statistics. But again, statistics don't lie. It's just people misuse them and and misrepresent them. If we were to—if I were to restructure this—and again, I'm not saying this is the case they're making. But if, if I wanted to make this case, I would not use this chart. But it is at least worth noting, going all in, in other words, just spending massive amounts of money in free agency is not a successful strategy in and of itself. There's there's just there's no precedent and everybody should understand that free agency, as I've said before, is is essentially failure it's always going to be more expensive. It's the most expensive way to go. And with a salary cap, that's an inefficient use of salary cap dollar. Because the most important thing you can do is get the most amount of of talent on your team, right? That's what everybody wants to do, maximize talent. The only way to maximize talent with, again, a salary cap and a limit on the amount of people that you can have is to be more efficient with your dollars. If talent were, if, if you could convert talent to a dollar amount and i think over the cap does that i think they utilize pff and then dollars or whatever to give you who's most efficient with their dollars because it is extremely important if you pay ten dollars per talent and you have a hundred dollar cap you can get ten talents worth of people if you spend five dollars per talent you can get 20 talents so who's better the team with 20 talents or the team with 10 20 20 is more talent so again you want to spend less dollars per talent free agency is the most expensive way to go about building a team so you're going to necessarily have less talents per dollar the more you delve into free agency that doesn't mean never go into free agency because it tends to be a good amount of talent there but it's, you know it's not a bad way to kind of top it off but building through the draft is always going to be the best and least expensive way to go about building a team always Free agency is just, it's just, everybody's overpriced. And that's a bad way to run your team. So again, it's its an interesting chart. It's, it's something that we all should have known by now. You know, if you were to ask, you know, teams that go the most hard in free agency, are they successful or, or tend to be not as successful? It should be obvious to you, they tend to be less successful. I mean, the, the Jets are like number one on this list. The Bills are too, but remember, the Bills have been garbage for a very long time. Success is new to them. So, I mean, when you just look at the pile of teams, it's not surprising to see Buffalo, Chicago, the Jets, the Raiders, the Lions, the Jaguars, the Browns. You know, it's just the same mishmash pile of just, yuck, no bueno, not good. So that's my two cents on the matter. But anyways, um, why don't we go ahead and take a break here? Unfortunately, I... uh Spent probably a little bit too much time trying to think of a clip to put on there. Went with Happy Gilmore. I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm proud of it. Just just a hair short on time. So we'll take a break here. We'll jump in on the other end of this and uh, talk about a few other thang things. Hey, U.S. Cellular customers, I've got good news, so don't hit skip forward just yet. I'm talking about their special customer event, Us Days. So I want to address a uh, a counterpoint somebody made on Twitter, and I I do wish I had done a little bit more research into this, but um, he asked it quite a while ago, and I want to address it. Eric Witte um, on Twitter reached out to me in regards to what I had said about wide receivers and how height isn't necessarily a big deal, right? In other words, average height wide receivers are seemingly the best, and then it would be short, and then it would be really tall. Not that any of that actually matters. I'm sure it changes. But the point is, it's pretty evenly distributed. In other words, height is not a massive determinant in how good of a wide receiver you're going to be. Uh, Eric reached out and said, uh, I'll I'll just read it so I'm not misrepresenting what he said. Isn't the likely reason more wide receivers are average height than on the tall end is height is uh, helpful, but there are statistically so many more humans in the average height area. I'm kind of adding words here more average height so there are more people who might be of greater athletic ability i'm going to stop there and say yes but the athletic ability is the point i mean look at the nba more people clearly are you know there are more men that are 5 foot 11 than there are 7 foot 11 or six eleven. but you're going to find more of the 6 11 type guys i don't know what the average height in the nba is but i'm sure it's very tall those people are massively overrepresented in the NBA because it's such a small group of human beings. So you have the ability to find the best of the best in the world. And the point is, people that are very good wide receivers, the best of the best wide receivers are not the people that are super tall. Does that make sense? Yes, it's a bigger pool, but the the size of the pool doesn't matter when we're only talking about maybe 200 human beings on the planet being wide receivers in the NFL it's such a massively small number that if if being 6 foot 9 was the most important thing then wide receivers would all be just about 6 foot 9 but that's not what we see the point that you made about you know, so many more humans are average height, so there are more people who might be of greater athletic ability that are that height. Well, fine, but it's the fact that they're of better, greater greater athletic ability. That's the point. They're better wide receivers. And that was kind of my point in general, right? It, it seems like really tall people are not super athletic. It's hard. It's hard to move your body when you're really, really tall. That's why you see again the, the five nine guys are super shifty, but they're also really short. It just seems like six foot, six foot one is a good blend. You're you're not too short. But you're also kind of compact enough where you can move your body really well. And again, I think if, if being six foot nine was the most important thing, we'd at least see like one or two. But it just it doesn't exist. And I think six foot five guys have somewhat of a, a handicap in terms of being a very wide, uh, very broadly skilled wide receiver. Typically, you have a certain specific skill set, and you have to be very good at that specific skill set. You have to be able to perform at six foot five. So that would that would just be my thought process in terms of pool size. And again, the NBA, pretty, pretty much anything, right? Horse jockeys. Obviously, most people aren't that size, but when you're talking about a pool that's that small, you find those people. I hope that answered the question. Again, I, I didn't massively delve into it, but I, I think that's kind of where the analysis can be cut off because, again, you're going to find the best of the best, and the best of the best are not also and the height just doesn't really make as big of a difference as we tend to make it out to be it, it it has a difference and and i think it's also one of those things same with 40 time we put a lot of stock into it and there's no question if you reach a certain level you have abilities that other people don't have but it doesn't make you great i think that those tends those kinds of things tend to be more of a cutoff than a, a example of what makes you great as much as we would love to just be able to see a snapshot and decide whether they're great wide receivers. He's six five, runs a four three nine. He's going to be elite. No, that's not the case. He has abilities like nobody else. But all that really means is, if you're a really really good wide receiver, you can go to that next level. You know, think of it like steroids. If I took steroids right here right now and went to the gym, I would still be pathetic. <laughs> I still would be. Guys would be lifting. You know, way more weight than I am. If I went to go meet up with with actual bodybuilders, like competitive bodybuilders, like natural bodybuilders, and I took steroids, it w- who cares? Those guys would destroy me because the steroids aren't the thing. However, if you take two natural bodybuilders, in other words, guys that are at the top of their craft, they've dedicated their life to this and they've kind of reached that wall where this is about as good as it gets biologically. Like you just you cannot go past this your dna won't allow it and you give one of them steroids he will go to that next level right so in other words if you take devonte who's already an elite wide receiver and you gave him 439 speed and 6 foot 5 height assuming that you know the the height didn't take away from his skill set but you know make him taller and faster he's just going to be that much better but the point is it's it's the fact that he's devonte that matters not the fact that he's really fast that that's just that's the steroids so when when you see Somebody that runs a uh, four-three something or is six foot five, it's kind of like saying this dude's on steroids. And, and again, you can get excited about that, right? That that's what gets you excited about guys like Rashawn Gary, guys like Darnell Savage. Those guys are roided up, but we still don't know if they can lift, But right? If you take steroids and sit on the couch and eat potato chips, you're not going to be strong. You're going to be fat and have extra acne. That's it. So there's nothing wrong with perking your ears up, right? If if for example uh, Rashad Bateman has been seen as a very, very good first-round wide receiver. Rumor is he ran a 4-3-something in terms of stopwatch time and was lasered at, I think, 4-3-9. That's the kind of thing where if you've already believed that this guy's really, really good at, at being a wide receiver and you find out he's faster than you thought, now you get really, really, really excited because now you can launch him into a whole new category of this guy can just be dominant. Or maybe it's just, you know... The reason you liked him so much, part of the reason he was so dominant in college is because he had the speed and you just never saw it. I mean, there's a whole layer of complexity there, but um, again, I think that's kind of the point. We, we put way too much stock in all the combine stuff, and the fact of the matter is the real work is done watching the film and, and breaking things down in a way that a lot, and, and that's that's the thing that sucks is we don't really know how to do that too well. I don't know how to do that to him. Most people have no idea how to analyze film. Even people, you know, scouts fail at that all the time. Watching somebody play football and, and trying to use the information to the best of their ability to decide if this guy's going to be a great NFL football player. GMs and their scouting staffs haven't figured that one out yet. They're better than you and I, but, man, they still haven't figured it out. Um, I want to pivot over to something JJ had sent me on Twitter. Um... He just uh, trying to throw his weight around as a patron. Well done. But he, he brought up a couple things. Some of them I would just consider points more than anything because, I you know, I, obviously I don't know, but it is a good point worth thinking about. A couple of different things here. Um, he's got three different things on Jarrell Casey that I mentioned, who is now a free agent. He was cut by the Denver Broncos. Real solid defensive lineman, but kind of like everybody else, at a certain point, you get old, your production starts to fall, and it becomes a question of... How much do you have left in the tank? Can we get the best out of you? Were you al- Was that already your best and you're about to completely fall off? I mean, the Packers have been good at that, being on the opposite side of that, dumping guys, and then Packer fans get mad and somebody else picks them up and we think that we're stupid and the guy just can't play anymore. We've done that with a ton of offensive linemen. We've done that with wide receivers and everything else. And you don't want to be on the receiving end of that, right? Somebody got rid of them. We were stupid enough to think that we can turn them around and then they come here, we paid them a bunch of money, and they can't play. I would say Jimmy Graham, but that's not even a great example because the guy couldn't really play for Seattle either. I don't know what we were thinking with that. But he said he would like a deeper dive on Jarrell Casey, a couple things that he personally noted. Number one, Casey's dip in productivity coincides with Fangio's arrival in Denver. Um, I guess the issue there is that he played for Tennessee through 2019. Denver picked him up in 2020, and he only played three games, uh, weeks one, two, and three. The interesting part about this would be that what J.J. pointed out, just the Fangio connection. Vic Fangio wanted him, and assuming we're still going with that line that uh, our new defensive coordinator, Barry, wants to, or I should say Matt LaFleur, wants to go more in that uh, that style of defense, then we at least know that Jarrell Casey seems to be a good fit for that style of defense. Now, it's also possible that Jarrell Casey's just a monster and has been for a long time, and Fangio wanted to take a crack at him because he just needed good defensive linemen. Um, But again, the the biggest issue is that, you know, they took a swing at him. He comes over in 2020, plays weeks one, two, and three, and then nothing else comes around. I mean, he doesn't come back. And then they're like, all right, we don't want him back. I mean, he's 31 years old, ended up being kind of a swing and a miss. He wasn't bad. He didn't have any sacks, but he had uh, five pressures in, in three games. Didn't have a game without a pressure. So I guess you'll take that. But he kind of goes on to say it's it's good that Fangio liked him, but it's also kind of a bad sign that he cut him. Maybe he's not so great of a fit. But, again, I just think we're talking about three weeks. And as far as cutting him, I, I don't think it's because he didn't fit because, again, he didn't even play there. He didn't. He played three games for Fangio ever. I just think it's, you know, we're going to cut our losses. We tried. and But, again, this is what I'm talking about in terms of risk. Everybody's got risk, including guys that you don't think have any risk. Jarrell Casey has never missed time. From 2011, he played 600, 700, 800, 900, 800, 700, 900, 700, 800 snaps. He's played a full season every single year. You know what he played in 2020? 156 snaps. Freak injury. He tore his bicep, and he's done. I mean, it, it can happen with anybody. You know, this is a big free agent acquisition, really good defensive lineman. He's going to take us to the next level. All these things that get you excited in March, April, May, and it just it ends in a freak injury. So, I mean, that that kind of stuff can happen. Um, again, th- there isn't a uh, any kind of coinciding for um, Vic Fangio and, and his decline. The question I would have is, is there a, a decline based on age? Like, did he hit 28 and start? is he starting to decline? You Sometimes you see that. People will peak, and then it just goes down every single year after that. I don't necessarily think there's even that. Again, t- in 2020, he had a 74 overall grade, which is what he had in 2019. Now, if you just look at... Uh, you know, 2017, 2018, 2019, it's 84, 85, 74. Oh, my goodness, there's a big drop-off. But the year before that, it was 78, then 82, then 70 in 2014, then 79, 79, 73. So he's always bouncing around between, like, mid-70s to mid-80s. So the fact that the last two years he's at 75, I mean, it's it's clearly not great, but it's still where Jarrell Casey is. The question is, at 31, 32, can he ever get back to that, you know, we'll call it 85, based on PFF grade? Or is he kind of gonna slowly decline and it's one of those things where at at the coming off a season ending injury, a bicep tear at thirty one years old, we're gonna see his first like high sixties. I don't know. I have no idea. Um, obviously another connection would be the fact that he played in Tennessee his entire career and, and Matt LaFleur was the offensive coordinator there. Not that they had any direct, you know, again, offensive coordinator and defensive lineman, but he's a he's aware of the of the human being. He coached the team that he was on for a long time. So if there is any desire to bring him over, um, again, he's going to come cheap. I don't think he's an elite human being, but if we're if we're trying to look at it and say, listen, we don't need J.J. Watt, and we certainly don't need to be spending J.J. Watt money, why don't we just try to find somebody that's a competent human being at, at defensive line that just isn't really bad? Jarrell Casey might be that guy. I mean, again, he didn't have any sacks, but he played only three weeks. Um, in terms of his pressure abilities... In Tennessee, it's never really been super stellar. I'm trying to find one year where he reached 10%. You'd have to go back to 2016. But his sack numbers have always been fairly high. He had eight sacks in 2019, eight sacks in 2018, seven sacks in, in two. Yeah, 2017. Which, I mean, again, for just a defensive lineman, we can, we can barely squeeze that out of Kenny Clark as it is. So, you know, I'm not saying he's Kenny Clark, although Kenny Clark isn't even Kenny Clark right now. But, again, you, you get that guy that can pull that off and is just a pretty stout run defender. I mean, that's kind of more his thing than pass rush anyways. So you get a run-defending, you know, Jarrell Casey who can also possibly give you seven, eight sacks on a season. I, I mean, that's, that's not a bad thing. So I'm certainly not opposed to Jarrell Casey as sort of a backup plan if we're even interested in doing that. Again, maybe the Packers really just don't have a whole lot of interest in doing that. They've invested a ton in this defensive line. We just paid Kenny. Obviously, we went out and drafted Rashawn and paid Preston and Zedarius and all that. I mean, we've invested a ton. Maybe they've got their heart set on a wide receiver or something. I don't know. I don't know what their plan is, but I'm just saying if they're targeting a defensive lineman pretty highly— If they are all in on J.J. Watt and that falls through, Jarrell Casey could possibly be a uh, secondary option. In terms of cost, um, J.J. was wondering about an estimated number. It's kind of hard to say. I I don't see—let me check this really quickly. I don't see anybody coming up with anything. Maybe there's an article out there somewhere. But let's just look at the fact that the Broncos gave him a one-year deal worth $11.4 million. That's a lot of money. Uh, Maybe not necessarily for Jarrell Casey, assuming Jarrell Casey's still Jarrell Casey. But— if the Packers were t- to take a swing at him, you would kind of hope that number comes down a little bit. Again, he's he's 31. um, Not turning 31. He is 31. He just came off a season-ending injury. You don't really know how much he has left in the tank. I I, I don't really know. But it, it's also nice to know that the ceiling is, is 11 and a half. It's weird because it's like eleven and a half makes you cringe, and then you think, well, maybe could it be sub nine or sub ten, like nine point five? And you look at that and it's like, dude, nine point five for a a, a top tier defensive tackle—that seems, and, you know, top tier. I'm not talking about best of the best, but I mean the talent drops off at defensive tackle pretty quick. You get past the top five, Jarrell Casey still has potentially top ten capabilities. It's kind of like wide receiver. You say top wide receiver, and it's like, oh come on. It's like, do you even know who the top ten is? The, the elite elite are only like three or four guys, and then it kind of falls off. So I don't know. I mean, you know, it's it's an option. And obviously people are going to be massively disappointed because everybody wanted J.J., and if we get Jarrell Casey, it's just kind of like a womp-womp thing. But um, he's a good football player. He doesn't have J.J. Watt upside because almost nobody on the planet does. And I'm, I'm specifically saying upside because I don't know if he can still reach his potential, but I know his potential is freakish. Talking about Watt. Um... Final thing here, J.J. Watt also wants to throw out Duke Johnson. I've always been a big fan of Duke for a very long time. I've, I've been saying, I mean, I wanted to draft him. I liked him in the draft. I just like that that style. Um, he's kind of a, uh, sort of a receiving back, I guess you would say, a scat back, whatever. I'm trying to remember the other guy's name, and I just can't remember now. Anyways, there was another guy that was in the same draft class that I really liked. He went to the Lions for a long time, and then I think he went to Minnesota, et cetera, et cetera. I wanted him to. But I think after a while, it just kind of wears off, you know, like it, it's one of those guys where you think, man, if you could, if he just became a Packer, he'd be so good. And you look at him over his career and you keep rooting for him and you keep thinking he's going to be great. And it just, it never really pans out. I mean, he had a, a great grade in, uh, 2019, 5.3 yards per carry with the Houston Texans. Um, other than that though, it's been massively underwhelming, um, As a runner with Cleveland, he never really had that good of a year. 2020 was really horrible. In fact, his fumbling was a pretty big problem. He had three fumbles on the season. But then you think, okay, well, he's he's a mediocre runner, but he's also a receiver, except if you kind of, again, look at the grades... Uh, from an 89 in 2017 it's kind of been trending down ever since it went from an 89 to a 74 to a 71 down to a 66 and yeah you can say there's the whole Texans thing you know I mean the last thing you'd ever want to do is run for the Texans that offensive line has been terrible they've had no ability to run the ball since forever but he's been with Cleveland a long time before he was with Houston he didn't have a huge amount of success and you can't really say the same thing with Cleveland because they went out and got a bunch of guys that are great running backs and they do just fine it's also just seems to be kind of the style that the Packers don't want because I think he's pretty strictly a receiving back. He's he's not a good runner, and I think he's, he falls too heavily in that third-down-back category, whereas the Packers need you to be more well-rounded. If you're on the field and people are thinking this dude's just going to, you know, either be blocking, which also he's terrible at, or running out for a pass, it's just, it's... Eh. Again, I've always liked him, but I, I kind of just fell out of love over time because it's been such a long time of saying, dude, what about Duke, what about Duke, what about Duke? He's only 27, but he's been in the league since 2015. I, I just, I, again, I've kind of fallen out of love with him, and I don't think it's necessarily Matt LaFleur's style. Because I've always liked these guys, and I've always wanted the Packers to get them, and the Packers just don't like that. Even back into Mike McCarthy, it's always been, no, you can't just be a receiving back. We need runners. We need runners that can also kind of catch, right? We'll, we'll teach you to be receivers, but you're a runner first, slash blocking for Aaron Rodgers. And so I would I would just be kind of surprised. It's not even a judgment on my part. I would just be kind of surprised if the Packers went that route. But anyways, I'm going to have to cut it off there. A little bit of a short day, but it is what it is. Getting back in the swing of things. You folks have yourselves a fantastic Monday. I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye. Hey! Tell me what to do. going to do.